Hey everyone, welcome back to Tactical Magic. This is Molly Mandelberg, your host, and I have a very dear friend of mine here with me today. Ted De Maison is a brilliant man, a professor. I'm going to read his bio in just a moment, but we have shared some powerful inner work moments through a business training program that we're both a part of, and Ted is just one of my all-around favorite people. He teaches improv, he teaches mindfulness, and I wanted to bring him on the show to share some of both of those worlds and how he synthesizes them together with you today. So we're going to do our little fancy intro, and then we'll come back in just a second. It's not just about mastering technology. It's not just about brand or messaging. It's not just about making more money. It's about showing up in a big way so your people can find you. This is about bringing your most wild and authentic self into the hustle and grind. Welcome to Tactical Magic, a business strategies podcast for the warrior goddess entrepreneur. Awesome. So Ted de Maison has been synthesizing diverse approaches to teaching, learning, creativity, and collaboration for over 30 years. He trained to teach mindfulness-based stress reduction with John Kabat-Zinn, hopefully I said that right, and others at the UMass Center for Mindfulness. He has studied, taught, and performed improvisation internationally and serves as a board vice president for BATS Improv in San Francisco. Currently, he teaches through Stanford's Continuing Studies program, serves as co-host of the Monster Baby podcast, which you should definitely check out, and is the author of Playful Mindfulness, a book everyone should read. We'll talk more about that later. Um, and a book that I've also read and love, and he's an engaging speaker and a really good guy. Welcome to the show, Ted. Thank you, Molly. I'm psyched to be here with you and your peeps. What a what a fine place to be this yeah. July day, you know, and I'm psyched to see you. Yeah, I'm psyched to see you too. It's been too long. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you came to improv and how it's changed your life. Well, the first exposure to improv was when I was in college. It comes a little bit out of a, a heartbreak story. I, I had this, we had this group of five people in my freshman dorm were like super, super tight. And there were two guys, three guys and two women. And two of the guys had a crush on one of the women. And yeah, well, anyway, <laughs> I lost out on that one. I professed my love and kind of got booted from the group because I upset the balance. Uh-huh. So I was looking for a new home. Looking for a new home of friends, and and the dorm next door was having a dorm-based improv class that a guy I worked with in the admissions office was running. So I was like, you know what? I need some new friends. I'll go take it. And floodgates opened. I just absolutely loved it and took it the next year with a woman named Patricia Ryan Madsen at Stanford. And for her, improv was a kind of life path, and that started me rolling. So it's kind of, there was a, a dormancy period where I wasn't paying attention to it so much but I was still trying to live by those principles. And then it kind of came back with some vigor in 2011 or 2010 when I went to a summer school up in Calgary. So uh, yeah, it's been like 10 years now that I've been, it's been front of mind for me. So. Will you share with us just like however briefly or extendedly you'd like to, what is living by the principles of improv look like? Okay. So this is a great question. Um, when you're creating on stage in improvisational theater, and I should say this is true, improvisational music, improvisational dance as well, but the world I know is improvisational theater. When you're on stage with somebody else and you're creating something out of nothing or just from a simple suggestion, 
you need to be fully present and you need to rely on what the other person is giving you and build on it. And so one of the principles that a lot of people have heard about improv is called yes and. Yes means accepting the truth of what has happened on stage and then the and is building on it, adding something to it. So if you live by that principle on stage, stories happen, adventures happen, things go places, uh, characters reveal themselves to be interesting or um, troubling or something, right? So you get a great story and it's really fun. And among other principles are taking care of your partner, uh, let yourself be average, um, be obvious. These kind of, they're guidelines that help you create great scenes. When you take those principles off the stage and bring them to life, they work just as well, or if not better. And so for me, a kind of mindfulness principle is what is really happening. Well, that's that improv principle of accept what is, notice what's there, and then build on it. So like, okay, can I create a life scene? I'm putting that in air quotations. Mm -hmm. With life, like life gives me something to play with. Okay, yes to that. That's true. And what am I going to do next? So now I've got this interactivity with life instead of just sort of feeling subject to it or like an, I'm an object getting buffeted about. And then be average, sort of relationship to failure that improv teaches of like, it's okay to mess up. You just kind of get back up and get going again. Like as much self shame and self doubt. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna mess up. Okay. Woohoo. And we get back up and we get started again. So, um, it brings a resilience and a positivity to, to everyday living that oftentimes is missing otherwise. Um, and I, for sure, it has launched me on more adventures than I would have taken otherwise. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, just that one principle, yes. And it's sort of like taking resistance out of your life. It's like, instead of, oh, this is so wrong and bad, or like the way we can sort of shrivel and cave in when something mm -hmm. occurs that was unexpected it's mm -hmm. like this dance of yeah okay now that's happening okay and i can either interact with that or i can go around that or i can start a new story within this of right. how am i going to redefine me or redefine the situation or what am i going to create to solve this problem or it's yeah. it's more of a game of life when you're willing to play the yes and and take no and wrong out of the vocabulary around what occurs in our lives i love that yeah, it's it's challenging to do because our default for so many of us, the default is a, is a very at least a caution, if not a no. You know, where if you've been to if you spent time in school, you probably learned critical thinking, which means you take apart the argument of whatever somebody has just said and you, you look for the holes in what's happening. Well, this is to say, can I look for what's what's great about what's happening and start from there? And and I should say I I don't think it's quite taking no out of the vocabulary because sometimes it can go that direction. Um, but it's still really important to be able to say no to things that matter, mm -hmm. but also, or I should say, and also to be aware of what is it that you're saying yes to, because every clear no is a yes to something else. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not saying yes to somebody's abuse or somebody crapping on you all the time. Right. It's like, Oh, well, Yes, that is happening, and I'd like to. I can make else. a different choice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. And that doesn't I work. I not tolerate that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I just want to mention, I didn't mention this in the intro, but Ted also, of course, teaches improv. And I was lucky enough to take one of his improv classes for years. I've said I would love to learn comedy if I were ever going to settle down and stay in one place for long enough. And I just happened to be in the Bay Area for six weeks, which was the length of Ted's course. I actually was away for a couple of weeks because I can't stay anywhere for too long. Um, but I got to be a part of your improv class. And I, what I loved about it was that we were learning these principles and we're playing with them. We're just doing games and games and games for the entirety of the class. But then you invite us to go home and see how that applied to our lives and see where we could notice and just pay attention to and increase our awareness of how these actually, these principles and these tools apply to so many places in our lives. And I'd love to bring that one back you just mentioned too, which is take care of your partner. I mm -hmm. have spent a lot of my 20s and I'm not going to lie, I still go to many music festivals or Burning Man every year, even though it's not happening this year in 2020. Um, the most fun people to be around are the ones who meet other humans with that. Yes, it's a yes and, but it's also like, whatever you're saying, I'm going to connect with it and I'm going to be mm -hmm. present with you with it and like mm -hmm. interact with that. And I think that that is such a beautiful energy to be in that I just got more of the value of that from your improv class is you take care of your partner, whatever they're going to come at you with, you can be with it and interact mm -hmm. with it rather than being again in resistance or um, reaction or judgment of what's going on. And yeah. It's a great principle for partnership, whether it's romantic partnership or business partnership or even if I'm a solopreneur, I'm going to still have to deal with people. It's like, how can I make the people that I'm contacting look good? There's part of this, it's like, it's kind of a kindness to the world to try to make other people look good. It also can serve your self-interest as well, because if you feel taken care of by me, you're probably going to like being around me. And you're probably going to want to be willing to help me out too. Yeah. And so there's a, that develops this mutuality, especially if we get a bunch of us committed to it. All of a sudden it's like, okay, when something goes wrong, it's like, well, I'm going to start by assuming the best of intentions and then go from there. And so like, I'll cover for you and then we'll talk about it behind the curtain. Right. We don't have to, I don't have to bring up all the laundry in the, in the crowd. Yeah. Maybe at Burning Man you do. <laughs> Depends on the situation. <laughs> Maybe you don't need laundry. You just need sunscreen. But anyway, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to like air the grievances. It's like, well, I'll take care of you in the moment. And then we'll go back and we'll deal with that as we need to. And um, it just, it, it builds the emotional tank, if you will. And then when trouble hits, you've got some reservoir to lean on. You're good to go, right? So yeah, it's really, it's a helpful principle whoever you're dealing with, whomever you're dealing with. Yeah. And I love imagining that a world where everybody's coming at each other with this place of desire to be in rapport and mm -hmm. to have each other's backs and mm -hmm. what more is possible when we all feel that level of support coming at us from, right. from the person at the bus stop or from wherever. Yeah. The analogy that comes to mind many years ago, I worked in the service industry and of course, I was still nomadic back then, so I've worked in many different service industry jobs. And there was such a big difference between the restaurants where all the servers were super competitive and, and it was almost like you had it out for people 
yep. because you wanted to make better chips or you wanted to get your people served first or whatever versus the places where the culture was everyone does everything and everyone has each other's backs and you'd show up when you're in the weeds and someone would already be bussing your table and mm -hmm. the amount you want to contribute back to that person who just had your back is this like domino effect of like exponential support it's really beautiful right it's yeah. really cool a yeah. virtuous cycle yeah. yeah so you wrote a book about it um tell us more about playful mindfulness and what what's in there so okay uh let's see i was teaching at a boarding school in western massachusetts i was teaching religious studies and philosophy and so i was I got to ask the high school kids all these great questions and we we're always having conversations that really mattered. I was trying to get them to understand their worldview and, and that sort of thing. And as I was there, I'd been there for 10 years, 11 years, I got to do a sabbatical year. So I took a year off and I got to travel around the world and explore what these four areas that I thought had made a big difference in effective teaching and learning. And so the four areas were growth mindset, the notion that we can change our minds and change the uh, neuroplasticity. Uh, the second was contemplative practice. So prayer, ritual, mindfulness. The third was applied improv and the fourth was positive reinforcement. And I just got so excited about the intersection and interweaving of all those four things. I just more and more and more, I like wanted to learn more. And eventually, of all that, the mindfulness and the improv kind of rose to the top. So I ended up leaving that school and I moved to California and I connected up with the improv community here uh, with my buddy, Lisa Rowland, who's a professional improviser. And we started a podcast called Monster Baby, a curious rump through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. And that went great. And then eventually I just started getting this little tingling inside. I was like, I think it's time to write a book. My mom has written several books and I know she made a big impact on the world that way. So I've always been inspired by that. So I just had this inkling and then I thought, you know what, those conversations we had on the podcast, I think were pretty cool. And so I went back and got them transcribed and started to write them up. And then all of a sudden it was like started to take shape. So the book comes out of the podcast directly and it's kind of this musing. So I take a, topic, maybe it's curiosity or presence or the con or the tension between following your impulses and taking a pause and then muse on that. The title though is referring to the way that I try to teach mindfulness. So I was already teaching mindfulness training teachers to teach it to teenagers. And I really found that like oftentimes people are very serious about the way they approach mindfulness like I will do a body scan and it will be dry and boring. <laughs> like I'm eating spinach yeah. fresh out of the garden. You got that sticky feeling in your teeth that you can't quite get rid of the spinach. <laughs> it's like healthy, but um, I wanted to add a little, you know, saute to the spinach or something. <laughs> so <laughs> it was like, there's gotta be another way to do this. And so infusing that mindfulness with improvisation, all of a sudden the classes came alive in a totally different way. And, people were excited to come back to learn rather than like dragging themselves to learn mindfulness. And so that's where the title comes from. And it's, it's kind of a, um, I think the book is maybe 65% mindfulness and 35% improv or maybe 60, 40. Um, but then when I teach the class, it's like 
80 mindfulness 20 improv so that's kind of a it's a fun title it kind of it it gets the spirit of what i'm trying to do and i think when people hear it they kind of go like yeah that's possible that could be fun yeah Yeah. and then they want to investigate and and you know the the finding the uh, the cover was you know was really fun too and uh getting folks in our in the group that we're a part of to help think about what's the cover what's the right language and it was just it was really great but i love having a title and a book cover that i'm excited about yeah for everyone who's listening and not watching on screen he just showed the playful mindfulness book cover and it's a cartoon of a dog um in lotus position meditating looking super super zen (laughs) super chill he's up on the hills he's got a big view you know but yeah relaxed i just want to say i love the root of that message which is mindfulness is something people want to and rightfully so come at with a lot of reverence and a lot of depth Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. can also be fun my dad is a super cosmic rap kind of individual very (laughs) non-duality we talk about everything is nothing a lot when i'm here i'm here visiting my dad right now and um we were talking about how we were playing tennis and just laughing and we were sailing and had no wind and just laughing and how when we're in that state of laughter, there is no self, there is no judgment, mm. there's no right and wrong, there is no you know, bank account, there is no bullshit, there's mm-hmm. just you present and laughing. And so mm-hmm. I think that is, I mean, you know more about it than I do, you literally wrote the book on it, but I think that sense of playfulness <laughs> is almost the most direct path to mindfulness or to mindlessness mm-hmm. in a way of, you know, r- true presence. So, right, right. Well, yeah, it's oftentimes if we think that we are um, subject to life, then we sort of wait until circumstances happen and it feels good to laugh. It's like, Oh, I'm happy. So now I'm laughing. And it sort of goes the other way too. that we can kind of kickstart it a little bit if we put ourselves into a playful mode, then all of a sudden things start to look better, things start to feel better. Um, I, I don't know if you've ever tried it, but the, you know, it's like if you force yourself to smile, you'll start to feel better. Or if you look up, you know, if you smile and look up, it, you'll just start to feel better. And you kind of think, am I cheating? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe. maybe yeah, let's are. cheat. Cheat. <laughs> cheat our way there if that's what we can do and let's do it. <laughs> but it's to me, it's not about it's it's also really important not to use it as a spiritual bypass and say, I'm gonna ignore the pain or the, the hardship, but to say I can come at the pain and the hardship with a spirit of curiosity and a little bit of bounce in my step. And maybe I can dance with it in a different way maybe someday I just need to let myself be flattened and cry into my pillow or cry into my cat or whatever, (laughs) just let it go. Um, And I can still say, okay, and what comes next, right? That kind of little bounce in the step of what is it that comes next? Because the feeling has moved through and hasn't stuck around. Yeah. I just also love the innate, of improv is you have to be mindful in order to do improv period that you have to be like fully present and focused and listening and responding in in order for it to work so it's like that is like the root of playful mindfulness and it requires you to show all the way up 
you got to be there. And yeah, they're really aligned in that sense of, I need to be present. I need to be connected. I need to have this positive attitude. Um, I, I'm, I'm really tuning into what's actually happening rather than what I think is happening and not holding on to some story from the past or projecting some story into the future. It's like, what's here? And there's also this really, so I'm like super big on paradox. That's one of the themes of the book. Like, that is true. And there's also this thing about the tension between, as I mentioned, following your impulses as improv says to do like, hey, just whatever comes up and taking a mindful pause to say, mm, maybe not just whatever comes up. Maybe take a breath and look at your range of choices and then move forward. So, okay, those are both true. Like, so they're super aligned. Mindfulness and improv are saying the same thing in many ways. And in other ways, they're saying different things. And yet that paradox creates this tension that's really fun for conversation and practice. So I love that. I love that word practice with both of them. It's like I commit to sit and just chill and I commit to play and they're both super instructive. Totally. Yeah. And I love how much you focus on paradox too. Um, I appreciate, I appreciate that about you because life is such a paradox. <laughs> hey, yo, yo, paradox, bring it in. <laughs> what, what? Yeah. Um, so my, we actually called my grandparents a paradox because they were both PhDs. <laughs> oh, nice. Very nice. <laughs> um, were they opposites? Did no. opposites attract in that case? No, they're very similar. They're very twin flame, okay. twin soul kind of thing. Um, okay. But I wanted to bring it back to that <laughs> that joking just made me lose my train of thought. Where was I going to go? Oh, yeah. So um, when I first took an acting class, I was in college and I was still in a place in my life of a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, a lot of embarrassment. And mm. so I struggled really hard to play the acting games, like the warm ups and stuff, because I was so much in my head and so mortified at the idea of embarrassing myself. So mm -hmm. I'm curious what you would say to who is, who's ready to come to improv, who's ready to come to this kind of work. And for those people who think, Oh God, I could never do such a thing. What would you say mm -hmm. to them? Uh, that's a great question. A lot of people have that feeling of like, I so want to try that because I can see the people are having fun. I can see the creativity and the vitality, but I think I could never do it. Right. And so one of the things I'd say to those folks is that we all are improvising all the time. Uh, that, I mean, I don't know, maybe somebody's got a script. <laughs> they wake up and like roll out of bed and turn to the first page of their script. And like, oh, I guess I get up now, you know, and like, mm, okay, go sit and have a cup of coffee. Page two of the script, <laughs> exit kitchen, enter hallway, right? Whatever the script would say, we're all kind of making it up. Um, I think it's an, an innate there's an innate potential for it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we do it skillfully because we've learned all sorts of fears and habits based on shame or hesitation or being mistreated that we hide ourselves away. So a really skillful improv teacher will make a space safe for messing up. And if somebody's going to look for an improv teacher, I would ask my improv teacher about how do they treat failure? How do they treat mistakes? and listen to the words, but also listen to the heart of the person who's responding to that question. Because if they're just saying the words, but you don't feel welcome and safe with that person, they're probably not the best improv teacher to go to. Great, great. There. But if they do, 
they're probably going to be awesome for you because you start to learn like, oh, if I mess up, I'm still going to be accepted. If I'm what I think is boring and I find that it actually delights people, like, oh, that feels good. And I don't have to do anything, but I get the opportunity to do stuff. Cool. So then it's like little by little, you come out of the shell. And then by week three or week four, you realize, oh, my wings are actually free to fly now. And I'm looking forward to seeing my classmates and we're cracking each other up. This is great, you know, <laughs> and then it's just sort of barrel rolls from there. Yeah. Is there anyone you think should totally try improv, like get in there already? Get in there, would you? <laughs> um, well, you know, a lot of people who are um, introverts or who are shy or who have anxiety, it's really helpful for that. Um, it's, it seems paradoxical, like, oh, my God, how can I? Well, you know, maybe you find a friend to go with you and kind of do it that way. Um, other folks are folks who want to, maybe they come across as overbearing and they want to learn how to play well with others. Mm. Um, or folks who want, they know that they want to speak up at work or with their colleagues or with their friends, or their family, and they don't have the courage to do so. And they want to sort of trust their own spontaneity. Well, you know, playing improv games and maybe down the road, getting on an improv stage, you learn to trust yourself that something will be there. There's the, mm -hmm. as the phrase I use is, there's always something in the bag. You reach into the bag and you pull something out. It's like, oh, look, it's an apple. You reach in the bag, pull something out. It's like, oh, it's an erector set truck. You pull in the bag. It's like, oh, look, it's a little jellyfish mobile that you could hang on the front door. Like, there's always something in the bag. Yeah. But it, it takes some getting used to, to give yourself evidence that that's true. And then once you've got it, the notion of speaking spontaneously at a wedding or uh, in a workplace, it's just not as intimidating. So, you know, introverts and shy folks, folks who want to uh, play well with others or who want to have the courage to speak up when they, when they need to spontaneously, all, all those folks are super great for improv. Totally. And I would add as, as an entrepreneur and as a speaker that it's really amazing for just getting to know your voice and getting mm -hmm. to get a little bit more freedom in what comes out of your mouth. And like yes. you said, trusting it. I wonder if there's ever been a point in time in the history of humans where those three things came out of the bag, an apple, an erector set truck, and a jellyfish mobile that you hang on your front door. That was, well, that was yeah. proof. That was proof. You were pulling things out of the bag. You didn't know what they were going to be. And then boom, they came out of your mouth and they were things. And well, and there's a little bit of, um, you know, there's a delight in that. Like, I don't think those th three things are super special, but I love what you just said because I'm an Aquarius. I want to be unique. I yeah. love that I just said something that probably was never said in the history of humans. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. That's kind of a cool little accomplishment. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, stuff like that happens all the time in improv. Well, you, you mentioned about for entrepreneurs coming to this this work and um, in, in running and building my own business and making the connections that I've tried to make that way. I've, I'm still learning about how to make connections and that it's really connections, referrals, um, shared expertise or mutual expertise, that cross pollination, that connection is so important. And if I can really be present with somebody, I can really connect with them. And if I especially can teach them how to be present, 
then you know we've got something together that that means something to them right and so all of a sudden now ideas are flowing and possibilities are building and again we're building that network that's more uh durable and more flexible and more creative so it's a, like getting the skills of connection has a huge ripple effect on the entire business platform of that entrepreneur totally yes yes to that um so tell us where to get the book tell us how to find your podcast tell us where to get you on social media how do people get a hold of ted de maison okay so the easiest way probably is to go through the playful mindfulness route so if you go on facebook there's a playful mindfulness page uh if you go on uh, instagram playful mindfulness playfulmindfulness.info is the website and there's you can order the book there you can order the ebook the audiobook um you can email me that's um, all sorts of contact there if you're specifically interested in the podcast you can find it on pandora stitcher uh, apple podcast google whatever the current podcast platform is there or monsterbabypodcast.com dot com <laughs> and then how do people learn improv with you ted well I run classes uh, every so often. Uh, right now I'm teaching through Stanford Continuing Studies. I'm doing an Elements of Presence class and I'm doing the Playful Mindfulness intro class. Um, sometimes I offer classes independently. I don't know that I'll be teaching improv online yet. Um, if people want to learn improv, I highly recommend they go to Bats Improv, which is improv.org. Um, great teachers there. And then I I will probably get back to teaching improv when we can do it in person again. Mm -hmm. I just so love being with in the actual space with people. Um, but the classes that I offer are also at playfulmindfulness.info. So they can awesome. stay tuned that way. Yeah, you can get updates. Is there anything else that you want people to know? If you have the world's ear, what, what do you want people to hear from you, Ted? What's your mm. message? I think... Well, when I teach mindfulness, the lesson that I tell people, if you get nothing more than this, if you just carry this away, your life will be transformed. It is to approach your experience and others with an attitude of curiosity and kindness. Uh, that's like the heart of the practice of mindfulness. It's the heart of the practice of improv. And it really brings a sense of possibility and growth to whatever you're doing. It just, just feels good. So curiosity and kindness i guess that's like i hope that's my my main message and all the other stuff i'm doing well for right now that's your main message so we'll take it we'll take it when right we on. run with it and everybody else out there listening run with it run run <laughs> run oh this was such a fun episode which i knew would happen because ted you always deliver on the fun I'm like the mailman <laughs> <laughs> great to see him molly yeah, thank you so much for being here. Everybody go check out playfulmindfulness.info. All the stuff you need to know is there. Find Playful Mindfulness on Instagram. I dare you to go and follow that account right now. And um, yeah, definitely keep keep track of Ted. He's doing great things and he's up to, you know, big magic with this improv comedy, you know, mindfulness. <laughs> Just all the things that you're putting together. I love it. So um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. That really helps us out a lot. And if you're watching on YouTube or anywhere else, please subscribe to the show. 
We love having you around and we will come back next week with a brand new episode of Tactical Magic. Whatever happens, keep asking big questions and taking bold action because you are here for a reason. Talk to you next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Tactical Magic. To find out more, please visit our website, wildheartsriseup.com. Be sure to take a second and subscribe to the show and come back next week for another edition of Tactical Magic.